0: Section 10 of the History of Chemistry This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org Your reader is Rosie Roberts from California The History of Chemistry by Thomas Thompson Volume 1, Chapter 2 of The Chemical Knowledge Possessed by the Ancients Part 5 Dyeing and Calico Printing very little has been handed down by the ancients respecting the process of dyeing. It is evident from Pliny that the very acquainted with matter and that preparations of iron were used in the black dyes. The most celebrated dye of all, the purple, was discovered by Etyrians about 15 centuries before the Christian era. This color was given by various kinds of shellfish which inhabit the Mediterranean Pliny divides them into two genera; the first comprehending the smaller species, he called boxinum, from this resemblance to a hunting horn. The second included those called purpura. Fabius Columna thinks that these were distinguished also by the name of Morax. These shellfish yielded liquor of different shades of color and they were often mixed in various proportions to produce particular shades of color One or at most two drops of this liquor were obtained from each fish by extracting and opening a little reservoir placed in the throat. To avoid this trouble, the smaller species were gently bruised whole in a mortar. This was also frequently done with the large, though the other liquids of the fish must have in some degree injured the colour. The liquor, when extracted, was mixed with a considerable quantity of salt to keep it from putrefying. It was then diluted with five or six times as much water and kept moderately hot in leaden or tin vessels for eight or ten days during which the liquor was often skimmed to separate all the impurities. After this the wool to be dyed being first well washed was immersed and kept therein for five hours then taken out, cooled and again immersed and continued in the liquor till all the colour was exhausted. To produce particular shades of colour carbonate of soda, urine, and marine plant called fucus was occasionally added. One of these colors was a very dark reddish-violet. Nigrantus rosei color, sublucent. But the most esteemed, and that in which the Tyrians particularly excelled, resembled coagulated blood. las A. summa incolere, sanguinis, concreti, nigracens, aspectu, in demque suspectu refulgence. Pliny says that the Tyrians first dyed their wool in their liquor of the purpura, and afterwards in that of the buxinum, and it is obvious from Moses that this purple was known to the Egyptians in his time. Wool, which had received this double Tyrian dye, open parenthesis, diabapha, close parenthesis, was so very costly that, In the reign of Augustus, it sold for about thirty six lira the pound. But lest these should not be sufficient to exclude all from the use of it but those invested with the very highest dignities of the state, laws were made inflicting severe penalties, and even death, upon all who should presume to wear it under the dignity of an emperor. The art of dyeing this color came at length to be practiced by a few individuals only appointed by the emperors and having been interrupted about the beginning of the twelfth century all knowledge of it died away and during several ages this celebrated die was considered and lamented as an irrecoverable loss how it was afterwards recovered and made known by mr cole of bristol m Juicy, m reamer and m duamel would lead us too far from our present object. Were we to relate it, those who are interested in the subject will find an historical detail in Bancroft's work on permanent colours just referred to. There is reason to suspect that the Hebrew word translated fin linen in the Old Testament and so celebrated as a production of Egypt was in reality cotton and not linen from a curious passage in Pliny there is reason to believe that the egyptians in his time and probably long before were acquainted with the method of calico printing such as is still practised in india and the east the following is a literal translation of the passage in question there exists in egypt a wonderful method of dyeing the white cloth is stained in various places not with dye stuffs but with substances which have the property of absorbing Open parentheses, fixing, close parentheses, colors. These applications are not visible upon the cloth, but when they are dipped into a hot cauldron of the dye, they are drawn out an instant after dyed. The remarkable circumstance is that though there be only one dye in the vat, yet different colors appear upon the cloth, nor can the color be afterwards removed. It is evident enough that these substances applied with different mordants which served to fix the dye upon the cloth. The nature of these mordants cannot be discovered, as nothing specific seems to have been known to Pliny. The modern mordants are solutions of alumina, of the oxide of tin, oxide of iron, oxide of lead, and C. And doubtless these, or something equivalent to these, were the substances employed by the ancients. The purple dye required no mordant. It fixed itself to the cloth in consequence of the chemical affinity which existed between them. Whether indigo was used by the ancients as a dye does not appear, but there can be no doubt at least that its use was known to the Indians at a very remote period. From these facts, few as they are, there can be little doubt that dyeing and even calico printing had made considerable progress among the ancients. And this could not have taken place without a considerable knowledge of colouring matters, and of the mordant by which these colouring matters were fixed. These facts, however, were probably but imperfectly understood, and could not be the means of furnishing the ancients with any accurate chemical knowledge. 6. Soap. Soap which constitutes, so important and indispensable, an article in the domestic economy of the moderns was quite unknown to the ancient inhabitants of Asia and even of Greece. No allusion to it occurs in the Old Testament. In Homer we find Nausicaa, the daughter of the king of the Phoenicians, using nothing but water to wash her nuptial garments. They seek the cisterns, where Phoenician dames wash their fair garments in the lent streams. We're gathering into depth from falling reels, the lucid wave a spacious basin fills, The mules on harness range beside the main, Or crop the verdant herbage of the plain, then immolus the royal robes they lave, And plunge the vestures in the cleansing wave. Odyssey six one ninety nine We find in some of the comic poets that the Greeks were in the habit of adding wood ashes to water to make it a better detergent. Wood ashes contain a certain portion of carbonate of potash, which of course would answer as a detergent. Though, from its caustic qualities, it would be injurious to the hand of the washerwoman. There is no evidence that the carbonate of soda, the nitrum of the ancients, was ever used as a detergent. This is the more surprising, because we know from Pliny, that it was employed in dyeing and one cannot see how a solution of it could be employed by the dyers in the processes without discovering that it acted powerfully as a detergent the word soap open parenthesis sapo close parenthesis occurs first in pliny he informs us that it was an invention of the gauls who employed it to render their hair shining that it was a compound of wood ashes and tallow, that there were two kinds of it, hard and soft, open parenthesis, spisicis et liquidus, close parenthesis, and that the best kind was made of the ashes of the beech and the fat of goats. Among the Germans it was more employed by the men than the women. It is curious that no allusion whatever is made by Pliny to the use of soap as a detergent, shall we conclude from this that the most important of all the uses of soap was unknown to the ancients. It was employed by the ancients as a pomatum and, during the early part of the government of the emperors, it was imported into Rome from Germany as a pomatum for the young Roman booze. Beckman is of opinion that the Latin word sapo is derived from the old German word sepe, a word still employed by the common people of Scotland it is well known that the state of soap depends upon the alkali employed in making it soda constitutes a hard soap and potash a soft soap the ancients being ignorant of the difference between the two alkalis and using wood ashes in the preparation of it doubtless formed soft soap the addition of some common salt during the boiling of the soap would convert the soft into hard soap as pliny informs us that the ancients were acquainted both with hard and soft soap. The addition of some common salt during the boiling of the soap would convert the soft into hard soap. As Pliny informs us that the ancients were acquainted both with hard and soft soap, it is clear that they must have followed some such process. 7. Starch. The manufacture of starch was known to the ancients. Pliny informs us that it was made from wheat and from silago. Which was probably a variety of subspecies of wheat. The invention of starch is ascribed by Pliny to the inhabitants of the island of Chio, where in his time the best starch was still made. Pliny's description of the method employed by the ancients of making starch is tolerably exact. Next to the China starch, that of Crete was most celebrated, and next to it was the Egyptian. The qualities of starch were judged by the weight. The lightest being always reckoned the best. 8. Beer. That the ancients were acquainted with wine is universally known. This knowledge must have been nearly coeval with the origin of society, for we are informed in Genesis that Noah, after the flood, planted a vineyard and made wine, and got intoxicated by drinking the liquid which he had manufactured, Beer also is very old manufacture. It was in common use among the Egyptians in the time of Herodotus, who informs us that they made use of a kind of wine made from barley, because no vines grew in their country. Tacitus informs us that in his time it was the drink of the Germans. Pliny informs us that it was made by the Gauls and by other nations. He gives it the name of Cerevisia or cervicea, the name obviously alluding to the grain from which it was made. But though the ancients seem acquainted with both wine and beer, there is no evidence of their having ever subjected these liquids to distillation and of having collected the products. This would have furnished them with ardent spirit or alcohol, of which there is every reason to believe they were entirely ignorant. Indeed, the method employed by Dioscorides, to obtain mercury from cinnabar is a sufficient proof that the true process of distillation was unknown to them. He mixed cinnabar with iron fillings, put the mixture into a pot, to the top of which a cover of stoneware was looted. Heat was applied to the pot, and when the process was at an end, the mercury was found adhering to the inside of the cover. Had they been aware of the method of distilling the quicksilver ore into a receiver... This imperfect mode of collecting only a small portion of the quicksilver separated from the cinnabar would never have been practised. Besides, there is not the smallest allusion to ardent spirits either in the writings of the poets, historians, naturalists, or medical men of ancient Greece, a circumstance not to be accounted for had ardent spirits been known and applied even to one tenth of the uses to which they are put by the moderns nine stoneware the manufacture of stoneware vessel was known at a very early period of society frequent allusions to the potter's wheel occur in the old testament showing that the manufacture must have been familiar to the jewish nation the porcelain of the chinese boasts of a very high antiquity indeed we cannot doubt that the processes of the Ancients were similar to those of the Moderns, though I am not aware of any tolerably accurate account of them in any ancient author whatever. Molds of plaster of Paris were used by the Ancients to take cast precisely as at present. The sand of Puzuli was used by the Romans, as it is by the Moderns, to form a mortar capable of hardening under water. Pliny gives us some idea of the Romans' bricks, which are known to have been of an excellent quality. There were three sizes of bricks used by the Romans. 1. Lydian, which were 1.5 foot long and 1 foot broad. 2. Tetradoran, which was a square of 16 inches each side. 3. Pentaduron, which was a square, each side of which was 20 inches long. Doran signifies the palm of the hand. Of course it was equivalent to four inches. 10. Precious stones and minerals. Pliny has given a pretty detailed description of the precious stones of the ancients, but it is not very easy to determine the specific minerals to which he alludes. 1. The description of the diamond is tolerably precise. It was found in Ethiopia, India, Arabia and Macedonia. But the Macedonian diamond, as well as the Adamus, Cyprus, and Sidarites were obviously not diamonds but soft stones. 2. The Emerald of the Ancients open a parenthesis, Smaragdus, close parenthesis, must have varied in its nature. It was a green, transparent hard stone, and as color was the criterion, by which the ancients distinguished minerals and divided them into species it is obvious that very different minerals must have been confounded together under the name of emerald sapphire beryl doubtless flower spar when green and probably even serpentine nephrite and some ores of copper seem to have occasionally got the same name There is no reason to believe that the emerald of the moderns was known before the discovery of America. At least it has been only found in modern times in America. Some of the emeralds described by Pliny as losing their colour by exposure to the sun must have been fluor spars. There is a remarkably deep and beautiful green fluor spar met with some years ago in the country of Durham, in one of the Weardale mines that possesses this property. The emeralds of the ancients were of such a size, open a parenthesis, thirteen and a half feet, large enough to be cut into a pillar, close a parenthesis, that we can consider them in no other life than as a species of rock. 3. Topaz of the ancients had a green color, which is never the case with the modern topaz. It was found in the island Topazius in the Red Sea. It is generally supposed to have been the chrysolite of the moderns. But Pliny mentions a statue of it, six feet long. Now, chrysolite never occurs in such large masses. Bruce mentions a green substance in an emerald island in the Red Sea, not harder than glass. Might not this be the emerald of the ancients? 4. Calais, from the locality and colour, was probably the Persian turquoise, as it is generally supposed to be. Five whether the Praseus and Chrysopereus of Pliny were the modern stones to which the names are given we have no means of determining it is generally supposed that they are and we have no evidence to the contrary six the chrysolite of Pliny is supposed to be our topaz but we have no other evidence of this than the opinion of m du thames seven asteria of Pliny is supposed by Saussure to be our sapphire the lustre described by Pliny agrees with this opinion. The stone is said to have been very hard and colourless. Opalus seems to have been our opal. It is called, Pliny says, paterus by many, on account of its beauty. The Indians called it sanginon. 9. Obsidian was the same as the mineral to which we give that name. It was so cold because a Roman named Obsidianus first brought it from Egypt. I have a piece of obsidian which the late Mr. Salt brought from the locality specified by Pliny, and which possesses all the characters of that mineral in its purest state. 10. Sarda was the name of Carnelian, so called because it was first found near Sardis. The Sardonyx was also another name for Carnelian. 11. Onyx was a name sometimes given to a rock, gypsum. Sometimes it was a light-colored chalcedony. The Latin name for chalcedony was... Carchdonus, so called because Carthage was the place where this mineral was exposed to sale, the Greek name Carthage was Capo, open a parenthesis close parenthesis twelve carbunculus was the garnet, and anthrax was a name for another variety of the same mineral. Thirteen the oriental amethyst of Pliny was probably a sapphire. The fourth species of amethyst described by Pliny seems to have been our amethyst. Pliny derives the name from A, open parenthesis, myth, close parenthesis, wine, because it has not quite the colour of wine. But the common derivation is from A and Avon, to intoxicate, because it was used as an amulet to prevent intoxication. 14. The sapphire is described by Pliny as always opaque and as unfit for engraving on. We do not know what he was. 15. The hyacinth of Pliny is equally unknown. From its name, it was obviously of a blue color. Our hyacinth has a reddish-brown color and a great deal of hardness and luster. 16. The cyanus of Pliny may have been our cyanite. 17. Astrius agrees very well. As far as the description of Pliny goes, with the variety of thalsepar, called Adularia. 18. Belioculus seems to have been our cat's eye. 19. Light was a violet colored stone which became electric by heat. Unless it was a blue tourmaline. I do not know what it could be. 20. The jasper of the ancients was probably the same as ours. 21. Moluchits may have been our maluchit. The name comes from the Greek word moloch, mallow or marshmallow twenty two. Pliny considers amber as the juice of a tree concreted into a solid form. The largest piece of it that he had ever seen weighed thirteen pounds, Roman weight which is nearly equivalent to nine and three quarters of pound. Averdipoise, Indian amber of which he speaks, was probably copal, or some transparent resin. It may be dyed, he says, by means of anchusa and the fat of kids. twenty three. Lapis specularis was foliated sulphate of lime or a selenite. 24. Pyrites had the same meaning amongst the ancients that it has among the moderns, at least as far as iron pyrites or bisulphuret of iron is concerned. Pliny describes two kinds of pyrites, namely the white, open parenthesis, arsenical pyrites, close parenthesis, and the yellow, open parenthesis, iron pyrites. Parentheses. (it was used for striking fire with steel in order to kindle tinder hence the name pyrites or firestone 25 gagates from the account given of it by pliny was obviously pit coal or jet 26 marble had the same meaning among the ancients that it has among the moderns it was sawed by the ancients into slabs and the action of the saw was facilitated by a sand brought for the purpose from Ethiopia and the Isle of Naxos. It is obvious that the sand was powdered corundum or emery. 27. Crater was a name applied by the ancients not only to chalk but to white clay. 28. Melanum was an oxide of iron. Pliny gives a list of 151 species of stones in the order of the alphabet. Very few of the minerals contained in this list can be made out It gives also a list of fifty-two species of stones whose names are derived from a fancied resemblance which the stones are supposed to bear to certain parts of animals of these also very few can be made out. End of section ten. Your reader has been rosie Roberts from California.